Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories that get your day started. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Earnings season is upon us, and that means that we are going to be covering a lot more financial news over the next few weeks over on Mass Device. And before earnings season started, we got an analysis up on Mass Device about CEO pay, what exactly their salaries are, their bonus payments, what their stock options are, and things like that. There's a comparative analysis of how MedTech CEOs are paid compared to pharma executives and some more consumer retail brands like Walmart, Amazon, ExxonMobil. It's an interesting look at the industry and the pay dynamics of executives at some of the largest medical device companies in the world. For example, Jeff Martha, who as CEO of Medtronic runs the world's largest medical device company, he saw a total compensation of $15.4 million. But if you look over at the pharmaceutical industry, where revenue numbers are generally higher, the head of the world's largest pharma company, Pfizer CEO Albert Borla, brought in $33 million in total CEO compensation. So this analysis just takes a look at the pay dynamics of the industry, and it's sort of a follow-up to an article we did last year on medical design and outsourcing where we analyzed how medtech CEO salaries compare to median worker wages. So We will have a link to that article in the podcast show notes, which we will share the link to the show notes at the end of the episode, as we always do. So take a look at at the story. There's a lot of interactive charts and graphs and tables that you can sort to your choosing. But enough about that. Sean, as I said, we're going to be talking about earnings today. What news do you have for us? Well, today we'll discuss more neurostimulation technology. Keeping with the past couple of weeks, it seems, with some clinical trial news, uh, a milestone for Allurion's weight loss balloon, a noteworthy board appointment at a pulse fetal ablation startup. Johnson & Johnson's third quarter results will sort of kick off our earnings season coverage on this podcast. And we have some interesting developments in the glucose monitoring space. So what's the first news story that we should know? Cognito Therapeutics enrolled the first patient in a biomarker study of its sensory neurosimulation technology. It looks like an interesting way to figure out some of the ways the company could treat Alzheimer's disease. What will this trial look at exactly? So the biomarker study within the HOPE clinical trial evaluates Cognito's novel disease-modifying therapy that elicits gamma-frequency brain activity through non-invasive sensory stimulation potentially slowing the progression of Alzheimer's disease from the comfort of a patient's home. The evaluation looks at MRI, cerebrospinal fluid, and plasma biomarkers, and the company believes it could offer key insights into Alzheimer's progression and may help to see better predictive responses to cognitotherapy. The company believes it may help to better identify patients and new disease areas that respond best to treatment. How do executives see this technology changing some of those treatment options? Well, CEO Brett Vaughn said the novel approach presents an opportunity to address Alzheimer's disease using a different modality, offering a potential new treatment option for those affected by the devastating condition. As I mentioned, it's a non-invasive sensory stimulation. It's worn, it looks sort of like a VR headset. It's worn on the head, done within the patient's home. It's obviously a very personalized experience and potentially, you know, a groundbreaking possibility in the medtech space. Interesting. Now, what's the next news story that we have? 
And NHS Trust in the UK treated the first patients over there with the Allurion weight loss balloon. Allurion garnered a lot of attention after partnering with Medtronic on its weight loss technology. And I think given the buzz around weight loss drugs, uh, other alternatives like this are, are really interesting too. Yeah, I was going to say we talk a lot about GLP-1s and its implications on medtech. So can you tell us a little bit about this technology and how it works? So it's a swallowable balloon that requires no surgery, endoscopy, or anesthesia. Once swallowed, the balloon is filled and stays within the stomach for approximately four months before self-emptying and passing out naturally. Allurion has said the balloon demonstrated an average of 10% to 15% body weight loss after approximately four months. And previous studies have shown that on average, patients can sustain 96% of their weight loss one year after the balloon passes. Can you give us some of the details about these first treatments? So Somerset NHS Foundation Trust's Musgrove Park Hospital provided the treatments to the first two patients in November. Elorion also noted that a further three placements are slated for next month, and there are up to a dozen more that should happen sometime after as well. What do executives see for the future of this technology? Dr. Shantanu Gar, the founder and CEO of Valerion, said the NHS now has a weight loss solution that doesn't tap into surgical or endoscopic resources that are already overbooked and constrained. So all Valerion is looking forward to is expanding this partnership and benefiting many more NHS patients in the months and years to come. What's the next bit of news that we have? A former Boston Scientific executive joined Pulse Field Ablation Company Mirai Medical's board. This is a seasoned medtech veteran who could bring a lot of expertise to this Irish startup developing pulse field ablation tech. Who is joining that board and what is some of their career history? So David A. Pierce is joining as a non-executive board director. He spent 31 years at Boston Scientific with much of his work coming in the gastrointestinal endoscopy space. He retired from his post as Executive Vice President and President of MedSurge and Endoscopy at Boston Scientific in July 2022. What is Mirai Medical doing exactly? So it's developing pulse field ablation or PFA technologies within the GI tract. Obviously, PFA has become a hotbed area of medtech, specifically for treating AFib, as we've talked about many times on this show. But Mirai wants to empower every endoscopist to treat GI tract disease at diagnosis, so it develops this proprietary ePOR therapy that uses precise algorithmic control of PFA parameters and enables the safe and effective treatment of premalignant and malignant disease across the GI tract. What optimism is Pierce bringing to the company? Well, he says the company is at the forefront of innovation in interventional endoscopy and says the mission to enable every endoscopist to treat at diagnosis resonates strongly with him and he looks forward to contributing to the company's growth and success. Now let's jump into one of those earnings stories that we have for this week. Yeah, Johnson & Johnson MedTech reported a 13% sales uptick in the fourth quarter and has some positive ablation news as well. It's a strong end to the year for J&J MedTech with some serious optimism for the future. So tell us, how did the MedTech sales fare in Q4? So MedTech sales totaled $7.7 billion, which was good for 13.3% year-over-year growth for the quarter. Meanwhile, the company had $30.4 billion come out of the MedTech unit for sales in the full year, which was 10.8% growth. What updates did J&J provide about the AbioMed acquisition? 
Well, for starters, the company noted that Abiomed contributed about 4.7% of that overall sales growth. So clearly, it's gotten off to a good start. They're excited about the future. There's some expected regulatory nods and product launches coming. CFO Joseph Wolk said that the Abiomed acquisition has already surpassed internal deal models and performed better than Wall Street's expectations already. And how is the company's electrophysiology portfolio doing? So J&J reported that the medtech growth was actually driven primarily by EP products, and CEO Joaquin Duato really stressed that point on the company's earnings call. He singled out Veripulse, which is the company's entry into that crowded pulse field ablation space, and they're expecting an FDA submission this year. They've already submitted it for CE Mark, so it's moving along quite nicely, and Duato says that the company's very positive about overall growth this year thanks to what that EP portfolio is bringing to the table. And what's the final news story that we have? There's a report in Bloomberg that says Samsung is set to join Apple in a battle for non-invasive glucose monitoring technology. It's a very intriguing move as we continue to see the tech industry sort of make plays to enter the healthcare space. Can you tell us what that report said? Yeah, so the report says that Samsung wants to develop continuous blood pressure checking along with glucose monitoring for its wearable devices coming as part of an effort to incorporate health features in Samsung devices, like its recently unveiled Galaxy Ring, with an executive from the company telling Bloomberg that the company is actually pouring significant investment into the project. So it's a really similar report to one Bloomberg did nearly a year ago, talking about a moonshot project at Apple that was trying to do the same thing, eventually getting glucose monitoring into its watches. You know, it's potentially shaping up to be two tech giants going head to head to bring this non-invasive glucose monitoring technology to consumer wearables. Is there a projected timeline for this? Well, in the article, Han Pak, a Samsung executive in charge of this effort, told Bloomberg that he sees a world in which some form of non-invasive glucose monitoring is available within five years, although Samsung has no timeline and is not you know, giving any projections on that. And Apple has previously said it's a long-term, certainly multi-year play. In the meantime, I should note that there are some other non-invasive glucose monitoring developers more in the health sector side, like No Labs and Namora Medical. So who knows if and when any of these will actually make it to market, but it's certainly an interesting space to watch. What implications could this have on the glucose monitoring market? Obviously, something like this, if accurate enough, could you know leapfrog the obvious long-time finger stick method, which has already been leapfrogged by the much less invasive, but still slightly invasive, insertable CGMs, like those made by Dexcom and Abbott. Only people who use those devices will know their own preferences, but considering how many people you know have Apple Watches, have Samsung devices, use these consumer devices, it could really shake up the market, although... I stress that the importance of accuracy remains because it's all a wash if the devices can't properly help manage glucose levels. And plus, given all of our recent chat around Apple's legal battles and heart diagnostics, who knows if these tech companies will face legal speed bumps as well as they try to enter this space. So there are a lot of unknowns, but certainly if they can get a a truly effective product on the market, it it could change things quite a bit. And that was the final news story that we had for today. So thank you, Sean, for bringing us all these insights. My pleasure. As always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out the show notes at massdevice.com slash podcast. Connect with us online. I'm on LinkedIn at Danielle Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H. Where can they find you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean, S-E-A-N, Hooley, W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. 
Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us tomorrow for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Thank you.